Father, thank you so much for the promise of your presence. Thank you for the fact that you have told us that where two or three are gathered, that you are there in the midst. And thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit who leads us and helps us to understand the truth about who you are, your character, your nature, your goodness. And so this morning, as we look into your word, I pray that it would be your words that we hear, not mine. I pray that your spirit would be in control, not mine. I pray that folks would see Jesus and only Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. So I want to take the next couple of moments this morning and have a conversation with you about my part. And when I say that, I don't mean just me. I don't, I don't want to stand up here and talk about me. That's not, not what I'm saying. I want to talk about your part in the body of Jesus Christ. My part in the body of Jesus Christ. See, we all spend time wondering if our lives are worthwhile. In those quiet moments of life when you're by yourself or the middle of the night when you woke up or whenever it is, maybe it's at work and there's kind of a downtime and you've stopped long enough and you started thinking about your life and you begin to wonder, what's the, what's the point? What's the purpose? Why? We all want to have value. And we strive for all kinds of things in our life, but ultimately we, we want to be able to look at something that's gone on in our life, something that's happened in our life that we can say, see, I added value to someone else's life, someone else's existence, my family, someone at work. I did something that added value. Where do I fit? How can I make a difference? Where do I belong? You ever been at that point where you were with a group of people and you're in the middle of a, a large crowd of people who are people who you even know really well, but in the middle of it, you stop and say, I'm alone. Or you stop and say, I, I don't even know why I'm here. And I'm not talking about depression. I'm just talking about value. What do I bring? What do, what do I have to offer to the middle of, of whatever it is that's going on? What part do I play? And no matter who you are and no matter how much of a loner you think you are and how much of an individual you hope that you are and how much you like to be alone and how much that you think you don't like to be with other people, you do because God created you 
to be with other people. And God created you to add value to other people. It is your very nature. It is God made you. And you are made in the image and the likeness of God. And God himself is here to add value to people. And by his very nature and by your creation, that is who you are. And that is why you are asking the question. And in the world that we live that is so full of so much stuff. And there are so many distractions that grab our minds and our attentions. There is so much entertainment. There is so much fun. We have never been at a time in history when information was so close to your fingertips in all of history. And yet people feel more empty than they've ever felt before the most connected that we've ever been but the most disconnected that we've ever been it's because within you is a desire to add value to others and that's what you're looking for that's what you need We dedicate large amounts of time and energy and money and ideas and events so that we can feel like we have value. And the funny thing is that a lot of those time, energy, events, big things that we go do, when we finish doing them and we walk away, we go, oh, that was really cool, but now what? And you've probably been there. Right? It's like the kids opening the presents on Christmas morning and it's so exciting and they rip and they tear and they open and they whatever and then all of a sudden they're sitting in a, in a pile of paper and boxes and going, now what? Oh, the piece of paper looks really cool. I'll play with that. But as adults, we do the same thing. We try to fill it with all kinds of stuff and, and we jam it full and we go do all this stuff and we're looking for value and at the end we're like, Now what? Now what? So this morning, I want to spend the next few minutes talking about my part, your part. Not just something that we can do to be busy, but something that matters for the kingdom of God. And and so if you're here and you're a Christ follower, I want to speak to you in terms of how God designed you to fit within the body as a whole. And if you're not a Christ follower here, you're just figuring out what a relationship with God looks like. I want to tell you this, that this is what brings fulfillment to your life. It's a relationship with God Almighty so that you have a part in what it is that he's about and what he's doing. If you have your Bible this morning, I'm going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, if you want to follow along with me. We're going to jump into the middle of a conversation this morning, so a few thoughts to keep in mind as we do this. Peter is speaking to believers, and he's making a distinction about where they were and who they are now. At one point, they were far from God, and they were doing their own thing, and they were doing all that they could to seek fulfillment in their lives. And they were trying to figure out what worth was and what value was, and they were looking for something that had meaning. And then they came to know a, a personal relationship or have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is now indwelling them. And they, are, they, they have this, this ongoing relationship with God. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that, there's purpose and there's meaning. 
and life looks totally different. And he's jumping, we're jumping into the middle where he says, once you were far from God, once you struggled with this, but now you're in Christ and being in Christ looks so different than before. And how you act and how you interact looks so different than it did before. In the moment that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, how I view life starts to change. And no longer is it about me and what I want. It becomes about who God is and what he wants. And that's what Peter's starting to talk about here. So we're going to jump into verse 8. And it says this, above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. I want to talk about first in this verse, two little thoughts I want you to get. Number one, our part. If you're a Christ follower and you want to add value, you want to, you want to have meaning, you want to feel like there's a reason for you doing all the stuff that you do. There's a reason for you to get up in the morning. There's a reason for you to, to go through the actions that you do, do during the day. Here it is, our part. Love one another. Hold on. <laughs> really? That's it? Come on. There's something else. No, love one another. But, but Tim, you don't know the people who are close to me. Yeah, love one another. Yeah, you, you don't know who I have to work with or work for. Yeah, love one another. Yeah, but you don't know my kids. <laughs> I probably do. <laughs> Love one another. Steve. <laughs> Love one another. It's a very simple statement that God gives us here at the start of this that Peter writes for us. And he says, look, you want to know your part? This is where it starts. And folks, you have to understand something that in order to love other people, your hands have got to be open. And you've got to be at a place where God's got a hold of your heart because you won't love other people if you've got a hold of your heart. Because you'll be so full of you and your concern will be how they see you how they respect you, what they know about you, how they care for you, what they give to you. And God says, no. Your part, love other people. When we as individuals are known for our love of others, then we as a church become known for our love of others. You catch that? When we as individuals that make up this body of believers are known for our love for other people, then we as a church become known for our love of other people. Be the first to reach your hand out and welcome the new person. Look for ways to make them at home. Take interest in others' lives. Celebrate with them. Look for little ways to show that you care. Love others. Loving others is only accomplished by being involved in someone else's life. You can't love others from a distance. You can't, you can't put, you know, 10 yards between you and say, Yep, hey, I love you, but don't come close. 
I've done that with some, you know, you have a cold. You ever been that? You walk in in the morning and say, hey, I'd shake your hand, but I have a cold. Right? And when we love others, we get in proximity. We get next to them. We get up close to them. And we get to know them. And guess what? I'm going to tell you something, Glenn. You don't know this. Everybody has faults. (laughs) He's laughing. Everybody's prickly. And God says, love them. Be the first one. Don't wait for someone else. If you're a Christ follower, be the first one. Look at verse 9. It says this. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. This word hospitable, I looked at, when I was looking it up and thinking about it, what I what I found the definition of that actually means, it means this. Be friendly and neighborly. That's actually the word. Be friendly and neighborly. Look for ways to care for those who live close to you. Be neighborly with them. In other words, don't be the person on your road who has the keep out signs. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, if you want to love other people, if you want to be close to other people, if you want to make a difference in other people's lives, then you can't be the person who's got keep out stuck to their front gate and saying, I love you as long as you're on the road. Hey, that's New England. It's where we live. Drive around, look at the keep out signs. And what he's saying here is be neighborly, be hospitable, be friendly toward. Look for opportunities to show up in other people's lives. Nor should we be the person on our street or the person on our road or the person in our community who is the first to complain about everybody else who's on our, in our community. Remember, these two things go together. Our part, verse 8, is that we're known by our love for others. Verse 9 says that we're hospitable. You want to have value? You want to add value to others? You want to have meaning? You want to have a purpose in your life? Then love other people and be neighborly toward them. It's a great start. It's pretty that simple. If we as individuals do our part and are friendly and good neighbors to others, guess what? We'll be a church that's known for being friendly and good neighbors. But we can't be a church that's known for loving others and being neighborly if we ourselves are not. Because as individuals, we make up the body of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 10 with me, if you would. He says this, and we're going to camp here for just a few minutes. Just as each one of us received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. A couple of truths that are found in this verse. Number one, you are gifted. That may be the first time anyone has ever told you that. And I'm going to say it again. You are gifted. If you are in Christ, if you are a Christ follower here this morning, then you are gifted. Don't tell me you're not. Don't tell me you don't have one. Don't tell me you can't. Those are lies. If you are in Christ, you are gifted. You have a gift. What you need to tell me may be this. I don't know what it is or I am not engaging in it. Did you catch it? If you're a Christ follower, you may need to tell me I don't know what it is 
or I am not using it at this moment. But you are gifted. You have a gift. Every one of us has at least one gift from God. And each of those things look different within the body of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to talk for a few moments. I'm not going to go through all the gifts. That's not what I'm going to do this morning. But I'm going to talk for a few minutes about a few of the gifts because I want you to understand what it looks like. And I want you to understand two things about the gifts. And gifts are abilities that God has given us to use within the body with other believers. And I want you to understand a couple things about them because we use these as excuses. Sometimes we say, I don't have that gift, so I don't need to do that. And that's not true. Because if you look at the gifts in the Bible, and we're going to talk about a few of them in a minute, you will find that all of the gifts are found in the nature and character of God. And as Christ followers, we are becoming more like God all the time. And because we're becoming more like God all the time, there are elements of every gift that are found in every believer. Do you catch that? So just because this may not be your strong suit doesn't mean that the elements of those gifts are not found in you. So here we go. Let me help you to understand this just a little bit, what I'm talking about. Here's one of the gifts. One of the gifts that's found in the Bible, and there's a, there's a couple of lists of them, but one of them is giving. And for Pam and I, we know that God has asked us to be people who give, and we've done it since the day we got married. And since the day we got married, we take whatever incomes comes into our house, and the very first thing that we do is we set aside a tie, the portion of that income. We have done it our entire married life. Before it goes to any bills, to anything else, we set aside a portion of that, and it goes directly back to God, to the church, for God to use. And then above and beyond that, to make sure that God has our heart, we have another little envelope. We still, we're way back on envelopes. We're old school. I, the whole phone thing, I struggle. I do stuff. The next thing I know, money's in Botswana or somewhere. I don't know. So I still have envelopes. So for us, we give immediately. And then we have this other envelope. And we've done this off and on different ways. And we take money and we put that in that envelope as well. So that when God brings something special to our mind, somebody who has a need or something that's going on that's special outside of the norm, And God goes, hey, Tim, Pam, I'd really like you to do this. Guess what we do? We go over to the little envelope. And you know what? Every time God does that, there's money in there. It's an amazing thing. And that's part of how we give. Now, there's a gift of giving that the Bible talks about, and that is generosity. And there are some folks who have that gift. So all of us as believers in Jesus Christ are to give. It's a responsibility that we have before God. But there's also the gift of generosity that's found within the Bible. And if you look at our church and you've been watching the numbers in our church, over the last eight months, our church has met its budget, $240,000. That's what's come in in the last eight months, I mean year, our yearly budget. And at the same time that that's gone on, our church... And those connected to our church has give, have given, if you were watching the screen this morning during offering, it went from 187 where we were to, anybody know? Okay. Because somebody or, or some, a family, some family, some folks in our church have a gift of generosity and they gave as God touched them to give. And people have been doing that over the last eight months. That's using the gift that God gave you for the body. 
So it's giving and every, every one of us are responsible for giving. But yet there's a gift of, re, of generosity that God gives people. And those people have the ability to make money simply to give it away. That's their mindset. They have the gift of generosity. That's who they are. It's what's in them. It's in their DNA. God put it in them. Let me show you a couple other ones. Here's another one. The gift of mercy. And I always joke that I don't have this. And Pam and I both joke that neither of us have it, so our kids, we pity them. But all of us are called to be merciful. When we see something that's going on, we're called to be mercy, to show mercy. It's part of the nature of God to be merciful. He's merciful to us all the time. And as Christ followers with Christ, the whole, by, by the Holy Spirit living in us, we're called to be merciful to others. But let me tell you something. There are some of you in this room who have the gift of mercy. Some of you notice those who are hurting simply by the way they're walking. You just notice it. It's immediate. And you go over to them and you say, hey, what's going on? And, and don't give me, because I know something's going on. It's, it's in you. It's, it's, God has given you that ability to see that in people. Some of you have a radar that's turned on for hurts. And it's just going, beep, 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 beep. And you got them. You're locked on and you know it. Use the gift. Because God gave it to you for a purpose. And be gentle with some of us who aren't so merciful. Because our radar doesn't work as well. Some of you have that ability to show up in ways simply because you have the gift of mercy. Some of you have the gift of service. Now, we're all supposed to serve the body. God calls us to that, to help one another out. But some of you have this incredible ability to see the need before it's even there. It's a gift of service. You, you just... You just when you, when whatever it is that you're doing, you're like, you know what? If they keep doing that, they're going to have a need right here. And I'm going to go and I'm going to wait right here till the need shows up. And you do that. And our body is full of those people who have that gift. Use it. That's your part. That's how God wired you. It's how he made you. It's what he gave you. Use it for the glory of the body of Jesus Christ. Some of you have a gift of speaking truth and we're all supposed to speak truth. God tells us to be honest with the truth of the word of God. And we're all supposed to know the word of God and hide the word of God in our hearts so that we know it. And so it it comes out of who we are. But some of you have the ability to speak a word of truth when you need to speak a word of truth. And you see it and you know it and you feel it. And God gives it to you. Use it. Use it for the glory of the body of Jesus Christ. Some of you have the ability to teach or the gift of teaching, and we all teach by our lifestyle. We're all teaching people all the time. But some of you have the ability to take something from the Word of God or a practical truth and word it and clothe it in such a way that the people who are around you understand it. They know it. They can walk it out because of how you explain it. Use the gift that God has given you to the glory of and the benefit of the body of Jesus Christ. Some of you have the gift of leadership. John Maxwell says that leadership is simply that of influencing another person, and that's true, but some of you have the gift of leading groups of people. And God has given you ability that whatever it is you do, people follow you. And sometimes you hate it. And you're like, would you stop following? But God gave you a gift and an ability to lead people to take people on a journey. And if he gave you that ability, lead 
for the glory of God, for the benefit of the body of Jesus Christ. See, folks, when we step into our gift and we use it, the body grows because that's how God made it. So you all have a gift. God has given it. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a gift. Some of you may have a couple. You have a gift. Second thing that's in this passage, the second truth that you find in this is this, that you're to use it. He says this, that you have received a gift, use it to serve others. The gift is not for your benefit. It's for other people's benefits. It's for the good of other people. It has nothing to do with how you look or how good you feel. It has to do with you bringing glory to God and serving other people. Use your gift for the good of the body and for Jesus Christ. You're to use it. Third truth that's found in this part of the verse, it says this, you're to steward it. That steward means to manage it. And what he's talking about here is this, look after your gift, grow your gift, learn your gift, look for places to use your gift. If you have a gift and you're good at it, teach others how to use your gift. That's what it means to stand, to store, to steward or manage your gift. It means that you lean into it. You figure out what it is and you figure out how to make it better for other people. Steward your gift. If we as individuals do our part, if we know our gift, if we use our gift, if we grow our gift, the body of Jesus Christ grows and Mossbrook Church becomes all that it's meant to be in the Oxford Hills. Did you catch that? If we as individuals know our gift, grow our gift, and use our gift, then Mossbrook Church gets to make the difference that God wants it to make in the Oxford Hills. Let me read verse 11. It says this, If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To Him be the glory and the power forever. This verse gives us the why. Why use your gift? The why is to speak God's truth. The why is is to let people know who Jesus Christ is. It's to speak the truth of Jesus Christ. The why is, is so that everybody could know who Jesus Christ is. The why is to speak the truth of God. The why is to bring glory to God. Your gift is to bring glory to God. It's not to make you look good. It's not to make me look good. It's to raise up the name of Jesus Christ so that others would understand how great he is and what he wants to do in them. Your motivation is what God has done for you. Galatians 6, 3-4 says it this way, If anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each person examine his own work and then... Take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. Seems like a weird verse that he would say, take pride. In. But what he's talking about here is this, that you understand how God's gift works in you and you've taken pride in using that gift for the glory of God so that God can use you to make a difference in others. You have a part. 
You have a way to add value to the body of Jesus Christ. You have a way to add value to this community that we live in. The question is, is are you going to do it? If we as individuals do our part, use our gifts to speak God's truth and to bring glory to Him, then Mossbrook Church will speak God's truth and bring glory to Him in the Oxford Hills. If we as individuals are willing to do it. Question for you, and we're going to celebrate communion this morning. Question is this, how am I, Tim? You put your name in there. I'm not going to look after you between you and God. I'll, put, I'll do this with God, okay? You do it with God. How am I, Tim, going to do my part for the good of the church and the glory of God this week? How am I going to use the gift that he gave me for the good of the church, for the glory of God this week? We're going to celebrate communion in a minute. And this is what communion is all about, folks. It's a celebration of the fact that God's gift through his son, Jesus Christ, makes it so that I can live out God's purpose for me, for his kingdom. That's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ was willing to go to the cross to pay the price for my sin, to make it so I was no longer separated from my creator, God. So that I could be the person that he created me to be. I want to be that person. I want to read a couple of verses from Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. I'll be there in a minute. Verses 26 to 30. It says this. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat it. This is my body. And then he took the cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it to them. And he said, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This is Jesus establishing what we celebrate as communion today. And I want you to understand something about communion. Communion is simply a representation of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. That he, the sinless one, was willing to pay the price for your sin and my sin. And he went to a cross and he shed his blood and he died so that you and I, the broken relationship that we experience between us and God could be repaired, could be made right. And Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice to to fix that sin problem that we had. And he did that for you and he did that for me. And our responsibility is to say yes to the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. And so when do we come when we come to communion, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus paid that price for us. And it's a celebration, folks, because the celebration is this. I've been made whole in Jesus Christ, complete. 
And I have value in the kingdom of God because of what Jesus Christ did for me. You have value as a Christ follower. If you're a Christ follower and your heart is right with God this morning, I invite you to celebrate with us. And as the guys come, go ahead and take the bread as it goes by and you can take that as you're ready to do that. And then they're going to bring the cup and you can pray. And as you're ready, you can go ahead and take the cup as well. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet, if you're just on this journey and you're trying to figure it out, you can let that go by. Nobody's going to think anything of that. That's fine. Because communion is really a celebration of the fact that I know my Savior. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was enough to pay for my sin. Father, Help us in the next few moments as we celebrate what you've done for us to be reminded that we are your child, that we are accepted into the family, we are made new in Jesus Christ, that the old is gone and all has become new through you. And because of that relationship that we have with you, we are gifted, we have a part to play in the body of Jesus Christ. Help us as we worship you in the next few moments in your name. Amen. Because Jesus Christ was willing to do what no one else could do. Pay the price for our sin. Because he's the resurrected king, he's making us new. That's what the scripture says. That as we give our hearts and our lives to him, he renews us and he makes us like him. And part of his doing that is giving us a part to play in the body of Jesus Christ for the glory of his kingdom. Will you do your part this week? Will you celebrate what he's done for you and do your part for the glory of his kingdom? Father, Thank you for the life that I have because of what Christ did for me. Thank you. Thank you for making me new. Thank you for giving me a part, for allowing me to have value. Help me to have the courage this week to say yes and to do my part well. For the good of the body of Jesus Christ and the glory of your kingdom. God, give us all that strength. In your name we pray, amen. Have a great week.